Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ministry Mondays with Meg. I'm Meg. You know who I am, right? Um, I am Reverend Meg Biddle. I'm the National Coordinator for Ministry Life uh, with ABHMS, the American Baptist Home Mission Societies. And this is the thing that brings me great joy, is sharing with you the stories of people who I've met in this journey. And today I am very excited to have with me, um, because I think he has a lot of great things to say, Reverend Eugene, Reverend Dr. Eugene Downing. Thank you so much for being a guest on on my show. Um, I am, I am really excited. I think you have a lot to, a lot of great things to say. So welcome and, and thanks for being here. Thank you, Meg. It's exciting to be with you on Ministry Mondays. Yeah, whatever day you're watching. You know. <laughs> um, so for people who don't know you, I mean, I'm sure there's somebody that doesn't doesn't know you. Uh, you probably quite a few of you. Well, let's fix that. Um, so why don't, you, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are, what you do, and let's kind of go from there. Sure. Thank you so much, Meg. Yeah, my name is Eugene Downing. Uh, I am pastor of New Hope Baptist Church in Northeast Denver. Uh, we're both American Baptist and National Baptist Align. And uh, I've been pastoring there for, I think this is my 12th year, actually. And uh, I came here from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I pastored. And I actually did uh, doctoral work there at Pittsburgh Theological. And I did my seminary work at Virginia Union, the same to it, Proctor School of Theology in Richmond. Yeah, very exciting place, exciting place. And so, uh, yeah, grateful to be here and uh, thankful to have opportunity to share with you. Yeah, and we're so, I, I am, I'm really excited to have you here. And we love people, the folks at Proctor, we've been with them at a, a couple of, of events now. And, ah. Yeah, I know some of our people, um, like a quite a big group with them went last year because it was in Georgia oh. last year, right? Okay. Uh, I I, it was. Yes, it was. It was yeah. Absolutely. yeah, we had a group that went. They went and had a, had, a, had a great time. Um. So you've been a pastor. So was this your first call? This is my or? second. Uh, so I started uh, in Richmond, actually, out of seminary. Uh, I had the privilege to work at the First Baptist Church of South Richmond as a staff pastor for about five years. Okay. Uh, and then went to Pittsburgh, where I pastored for 11 years. Okay. Yep. And this is my uh, 12th year at New Hope in Denver. And New Hope in Denver. Yeah. I'm trying. To, I've only been to. I was trying to think of my adventures. I've been on lots of them. Have I been there? <laughs> I've been to the airport a couple of times. Oh, you gotta get you to Denver. Mm, yeah, but I need to. I need to like. Yeah, see Denver. Yeah. Adventure there. So, um, I was given your name and, um, uh, by actually a couple of people. Oh, that's a blessing. A couple of colleagues. And they're like, you should talk to because <laughs> he's got stuff to say. And, and I know that we had a brief conversation before we started recording, but you do, you have some really great things that I think everyone I mean, yes, clergy, but um, that really, like, everyone needs to hear hmm. um, about things about burnout and welfare <laughs> and like. So, how did how did how did this become a thing for you? Like, oh, I need to I need to talk about this. Like, this yeah. is an important 
Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, so I think for me, uh, probably like a lot of pastors, right? I got to like, uh, I want to say the end of 2020, middle of 2021, and had been, you know, preaching to a camera in an empty sanctuary for a year and a half. And uh, uh, and then in conversation with other colleagues, and not only that, I think around that same year, Meg, I turned 50. Mm-hmm. And then around that same time, I had been in uh, my pastorate here in Denver for uh, 10 years. And I began to really think about my ministry from sort of a broad lens. And then I began to think really intently about some of the what I what I want to uh, name is like new stressors in pastoral ministry and uh, vocation, you know, as it relates to some of the uh, racial violence, some of the political challenges, some of the just division that that created in communities. Um, and with all of that, obviously now rethinking, like to the point of this wonderful podcast you've created, rethinking how faith communities will gather, how we'll be discipled. Uh, how we'll minister, and all of a sudden realizing, I think I'm tired, you know, <laughs> and so kind of uh, trying to think through all of that in effective ways, as well as then share that with the leaders that God's blessed me to lead, the people God's called me to pastor uh, among those leaders, and realize like, hmm, I'm not so sure, you know, what I mean, which which way to go, you know, yeah. and so uh, yeah, that's I think that's what brought me to the 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 idea of sabbatical. Okay, I mean, like so often it seems like you hear people, you know, like sabbatical. I'm gonna go on sabbatical and I'm gonna write a book or I'm gonna go do a big thing or it's something they do when they're trying to discern if they're going to come back and leave. Mm, and that too. It, so when, when you came to this, like, I need to take sabbatical. What, yeah. was, it, was it just like, because I, I'll say this much. I left um, the church. I was pastoring the end of February. We didn't yet know, but, March oh, was coming. 14th right. was going to be what you know <laughs> that was. Um, yeah. yeah, and I don't know. Maybe I would. I wouldn't have have started here. I don't know. Um, but I mean, so it, how did how did all like? Because I would think for me, like I would feel guilty. I'm in a pandemic. I mean, how did how did you go? No, this is something I got to do, and it's going to be okay. And how about some of that stuff? Yeah, that's a really helpful question. So a few things came together. One thing is I was in uh, pretty regular counseling with a really good therapist here in Denver. I really recommend it. I mean, <laughs> I yep. can't say enough about I'm that. Therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in counsel with a really good therapist. And simultaneously, Meg, what began happening was I began looking around our uh, region here in Denver. I'm in the Rocky Mountain region in terms of the Baptist denomination, but then brought more broadly than that, looking at colleagues around this geographical region. And it began seeing colleagues resign, uh, retire sort of abruptly uh, and and also seeing colleagues become ill. Um, 
you know, cardiac issues, folks who, who were very healthy. And then a couple of colleagues who resigned among the two, and I mean, in my locale, you know, I want to say around that time, four or five pastors resigned in a, in a period of, I'd say, uh, 18, 24 months, different denominations, none of whom were 60 or older, not that age is a determining factor of retirement, but no one was near quote unquote traditional retiring age. And so I was like, oh yeah, so-and-so resigned. Okay. Yeah. You know, it happens. And then say, oh, so-and-so stepped down. Okay. Yeah. yeah." And after after that happened the third time, I was like, time out. (laughs) Like, right. This is a little too, you know, coincidental. And then at the same time, you probably remember the Barner study came out about pastors walking away. Um, And then um, Brianna Parker out of Texas, Dallas, I think, was partnering with Barner. And she released a study about the African-American church post-COVID. And then around that same exact time, I was in conversation with my therapist. And finally, one day I said to her, I said, you know, I think I need to get some rest. She said, you think? She said, (laughs) and then I responded. I said, well, I just want to be sure I don't get to burnout. She said, you are at burnout. And I remember it, Meg, like yesterday. It was like, (laughs) it was like most simple and profound conversations I've ever had with anyone. And I said, yeah, you know, you're, I said, yeah, I said, I agree with you. You know, I'm kind of getting there. I, I, I recognize this and I, I recognize that thing going on. I recognize how I respond to this and that, that we've talked about. No, no, no. She said, no, you're not hearing me. You're at burnout. She says, not only are you at burnout, she said, I'm not sure if you're going to make it six more months. She said, so if I were you, I would begin right now planning to step away. And I was like, oh my God, what, what, what makes you say that? And she list, and here's the thing, Meg, she didn't list out like some cataclysmic life you know, matter I had going on. What she helped me to understand is that all of us too often press through just, (laughs) we just press through life so frequently that we think that's normal. And yeah. And so I, I, so I was sitting there waiting for her to, you know, drop this bomb of, you know, this inner life (laughs) catastrophe I was experiencing. She's like, no, dude, you're tired. And she said, and you think it's noble to keep moving, though you know you're tired. And she said, we do it as a society. She said, so as a result, we don't think anything of actually being exhausted and keeping on. And I was like, ah. and so then, so then, as you know, right, I had this, this faith dilemma. I was like, well, you know, my faith says, she's like, time out, pastor. Jesus rested. Moses rested. Noah didn't have a choice but to rest, right? Esther stopped three days to think about what she's going to do. Mary had, you know, all kinds of, she said, so dude, just like everyone else, you're tired. And she says, too often we teach each other that that's okay. She said, it's not normal. She said, well, we've normalized it. This society that we're in, she said, whether you want to call it uh, capitalism, whether you want to call it commodification of labor, of, of gifts, of abilities, whatever you want to call it, she says, we've normalized pushing through exhaustion at the expense of our health and well-being. And she was like, you, sir, are tired. And I was like, hmm. And I just remember sitting silent, like 10 minutes, like, hmm. And so I started kind of tracking through my mind. And that's, Meg, when I went back to my colleagues who had resigned. None of them, as far as I knew, had had any cataclysmic event, right? 
they just got to this point where like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I'm exhausted. I'm beyond, you know, recovery. I'm walking away. And I was like, geez. And so all of that started flooding back like, okay, okay, right. This makes sense now. It's exhaustion. It is trying to, you know, learning curve of COVID, of dealing with an entire new society, how to relate to people again, how to put all of that into ministry and help people around me to grasp it while we're all moving together for 18, 24 months. And now you're exhausted. And I was like, wow, hmm. she's right. So, yeah. I mean, I, mm-hmm. all of this, one, I agree, like everyone, <laughs> everyone, but especially those in ministry, but everyone really should have a therapist and not just, oh, somebody you can talk to and not just your pastor. Oh, please don't just give all that to your pastor. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, um, also not Catholic. I don't need to hear yeah. you. It's like Meg said it. So, Pastor, yeah. I'm here to talk to you. <laughs> right. Exactly. No, please. Somebody who is, we have how many classes about this in yeah. seminary? Like, really? Yeah. Um, kind of thing. So why why do you think that is like that we can't see? I think so often it's easy for us to go, hmm, Pastor Eugene. Yeah, you're burnt out. But we we can identify it in other people, in but other we people. can't in ourselves. Why why? Is that just that need to well, value? I, I think it's a couple of things. I think one, uh, I, I was really uh, blessed by a conversation I had about tobacco beforehand with uh, Otis Moss from Chicago, um, Trinity United Church of Christ. And he and I were talking and he said, well, Eugene, he's like sabbatical Sabbath <laughs> is biblical. He said, but we have we have sort of abandoned the concept. He said, but, you know, other professions have picked it up. He said, CEOs take off unlimited amounts of time, different periods. He said, professors and universities, university faculty and administrators take sabbaticals to do a number of different things. And he said, uh, educators in public schools have months off during the summer. He said, even though if you look at their profession, it's probably not necessarily adequate, but that's holding up the conversation, right? But the point is, he began to share with me how, in essence, we've kind of abandoned the concept. And and in place of it, we've embraced this. We've almost taken on, and I'm adding to our conversation now, but kind of taken on this, this sort of capitalistic model in the church. And not just in the church, we're thereby then teaching it to our congregation. And so whether it is pastors who are overworking or ministry groups who never pause, or congregations who never stop. I remember decades ago, um, Ralph West, pastor of uh, the Church Without Walls in Houston, Texas. I remember one year when I was a staff pastor, actually, and I remember my pastor coming back from Houston saying, hey, we're going to we're gonna take a weekend pause. I was like, what? What are you talking about, Pastor? No, pastor's not doing well. I mean, it's like, because he, went, he went to Houston and came back with this concept because Pastor West's church had blocked out every, once a quarter in the calendar year where the church would close, ministry groups would stop, and nothing would happen. And there would be a guest pastor on Sunday, and for that, I think it was five days, nothing would go on. And I remember the pastor coming back to our staff where I was working in Richmond, and I was sitting there like, what you talking about, Willis? Like, you know, <laughs> It's like it's crazy. Is it was something wrong with him? And then we start 
right? if, I was in, if I was still in a congregation, I would be like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But me right. as the former pastor goes, yes, yeah, that's brilliant, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and God. to your point, Meg, it's like, yeah, I don't know why we've done that, but it's almost as though we're, and, and we talked about this beforehand, like, so I found out during sabbatical a couple of things that one, as a, as a human race, you know, we're, we're so bound to production, like what I'm producing, my output, uh, you know, what I'm able to accomplish, and then how that becomes for me sort of a, 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 an indicator of my ability, my potential, my worth, my value that all those things we kind of tie together. And as you and I know, definitely in churches, because that's one of the first thing we ask each other when we meet, right? Oh, where's your church? You know? And then depending on who you're talking to, how many, how many members you have? <laughs> what are you guys doing for Easter this year? You know, How big was your Christmas place? Like, huh? what just happened? And so we do it so frequently. And, and naturally in every sector of our society, everything is measured by production, by output, by commerce. Now, obviously, not to say that doesn't have value. No one wants to, you know, be contributing anything and not see any positive outcome. That's not what I'm saying. But to your question, this this idea that we've kind of we have sort of abandoned the concept of rest and we've taken on this this idea that somehow because we are people of faith, because we're pastors, because I'm called to this, I can continue to function and be all right without ever resting. And that is the biggest misnomer I've known. And it took me a while to get there, but I finally figured out, dude, that is come. And, and Meg, here's the killer, right? The, the kicker. Hopefully, <laughs> the killer. Because the kicker is, I can remember when I first got to Denver, having a conversation with a couple elder pastors. I remember them saying to me, "Hey, Eugene, you need to take off two days a week, no less than one, but you need two, and you need to leave your office." No later than four o'clock every day that you're there, and I was like, "Man, they're not Ooh, supposed to." Who are these people? Wow. Right, 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 right. And I remember Meg sitting there like, "Yeah, they, they're, they're old schoolers. They're, they're probably tired. You know, they, they're probably, they're probably near retirement. They just don't know." And over time, realizing that, and that conversation with my therapist that day, that's when it all came together. It's like this is what they've been talking about. This is what this means. This is how this intersects, and this is this, this. Uh, concept that I have unconsciously adopted. Just keep working. It'll work out. Just keep going. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll all come together. Just keep going. Don't worry about stopping. Just keep going. And whatever's wrong, it'll work out along the way. Just keep working. You know what I mean? And then to add to that, yeah, to add to it, Meg, what I learned during sabbatical was able to both through some research I did, uh, some family history, I did a genealogy during my sabbatical, um, the last leg of it, and then kind of went back to some seminary uh, study that I'd done and was able to kind of pull together um, sort of these nuances of sort of cultural understanding about rest, meaning an African-American community, and I would say communities of color in large measure, that we are, I think, even a little more driven to believe that our work and our worth are intertwined. That, you know, if I look at the legacy, whether it's a legacy of enslavement in our country, whether it's the legacy of labor in Latin American communities and other communities, this idea that if I'm not working, then how am I worth, how is my worth measured in this society? You know, as we look at, as people of African descent, you know, we, we came to this country based on work. You know, we came here to produce, to 
output. And so I think it's a trait we've carried as a as a community forward so that we're looking at one another in family, in community, in churches, kind of carrying this mentality to the point when someone says something about resting, everybody's like, what's he talking about? What? Right. <laughs> you gonna take a vacation. How right. long are you going to be gone? Like, really? And so this idea that stopping to breathe then becomes a threat to one's identity, to one's sense of worth in society, one's ability to contribute, you know, something valuable because we stop. Whereas if we look at, you know, whether it's Exodus 20, right? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Uh, whether we look at uh, Genesis, where God says, I made them male and female, I made them in my own image. This idea that God made us living beings, which means at our very essence, we were made to be. Yet we've adopted this idea. I've been made to do. I got to go do something. I got to do something. You know what I mean? And so it's like, yeah, I, I think, you know, that those are the things anyway, in my experience, that kind of led me to this understanding of how did, how did I get here? So this sort of cultural nuance compounded on top of this capitalistic perspective on top of sort of abandoning the value of the Sabbath. Yeah. So the, there's that attitude as terrible as it is, like, oh, I'll rest when I'm dead. You know, that, that, that taking that rest, oh, I'm retiring, I'm resting, I'm done, I'm finished. <laughs> That's right. I'm I retired. All right. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we hear people say it. We hear people say, oh, you know, the Bible says uh, work while it is day because the night will come when no one can work. It's like, like, the night will come. Go to bed. um, (laughs) (laughs) And and I realize I say this not as a person in a pulpit anymore because I remember those, like, you felt like you needed to. Um, thank your congregation for allowing you to take the um, vacation that they owed you Mm. or allowing you to go to do a continuing education or, you know, thank you for allowing. That's what pastors have done for decades. You know, we've been, we've been taught that, you know, and we subconsciously unconsciously carry it forward. I was, uh, I was, uh, in part of my sabbatical, I went to Duke Divinity School for a study leave, a wonderful program. Matter of fact, I would recommend it. And somewhere in the throes of that week, I had a conversation with another pastor who was in the program. And, you know, somewhere in the end of the conversation, and it was toward the close of the program's week. And uh, we were just kind of sharing our, you know, experience of the week. It's like, ah, so what you preaching Sunday? And I was like, oh, <laughs> I said, I'm on sabbatical. What? Sabbatical? And I mean, he just froze, you know, he's like, you do realize we're coming out of a pandemic. You just, you just left your congregation. And I was like, well, I mean, I was like, I'm not sure I see myself as having left my congregation. I see myself as trying to get renewed so that I can go serve the congregation in more efficient ways and take care of myself so that I don't break down. And here's what happened, Meg. We, we shared conversation that day for about 45 minutes. And in the course of the conversation, which is how it helped me come to this understanding about the value of sabbatical and talking about it, of course, that conversation, that other pastor, probably unknowingly, was literally listing out to me every struggle in their ministry. And I sat and 
at the end of every sort of, you know, bullet point raised, you know, yeah, and that's why you should you shouldn't be taking a sabbatical because I'm dealing with this in my ministry. I was like, yeah, man, that's tough. Yeah. And then, you know, we had this shooting down the street and 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 that's why you've got to be there, you know, and then, uh, you know, and, and one of my brother in laws got sick. And that's why you should take care of yourself while you're serving. And it's like. And so I, as I listened, the more intently I listened, the more I began to feel for my colleague and then just think about all of us like, man, we are really wearing ourselves out, you know? And so it just really impressed upon me the deep importance of all of us as pastors being able to be more vulnerable with ourselves and then more vulnerable with each other and what what really constitutes faithfulness you know this idea is it, 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 so that we've to your last question it's almost like we've equated faithfulness and success right so am i successful or am i faithful if make if i even think about if i go out to if i think about muhammad ali muhammad ali said uh I've become a champion because he said, I decided, I, he said, I will, um, uh, basically he said, I do this thing, which I just don't like doing, which is I, I exercise, I punish my body every day. I work out as hard as I can so I can become a champion for the rest of my life. Right. But he never said, so I can succeed. What he was talking about was being faithful with his craft. He wasn't talking about, I'm going to win every single fight. He said, I'm just going to be faithful to what I'm doing. And it's like we've we've looked at this thing as I got to be successful. And then who even knows what that means? Right. You know, we, we start measuring ourselves, comparing ourselves based on other colleagues, other churches, other ministries, other contexts. And we sort of lose sight of what has God called me to do? What does God expect of me? You know, and and and, and make being able to be fine with whatever that is. And knowing that that's what pleases God. If I'm faithful with what God expects of me, I think I've pleased God. But if I'm trying to be faithful with what my colleague across town is doing, like, dude, sister, you, you're going to wear yourself out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all, all of all of this. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and, and then there comes the whole bad behavior because somebody has burned out and they're showing up on Sunday morning because that's where their paycheck is. Not because, you know, of, of their deep commitment, not that, but it's just so utterly broken. Yep. And, and you get to, um, it, a, and, mm. Yeah, a colleague who's who's no longer with us, so I can tell the story. I think tells a story. <laughs> this is long ago, so I, I think the the statute of limitations has oh, expired. Yeah. But but the colleague told me a story once about burnout. We were having a conversation about burnout many years ago before it ever landed, and this was an elder colleague. He said, "Yeah," he said, "Eugene, you know, there was a there was a a colleague in a church I know well," and he said. Uh, uh, we were trying to convince the colleague that, you know, he was burned out and they just wouldn't believe us. And he said, and, and I got a call one day about what happened at the church. I said, what happened? He said, well, <laughs> he said, turns out, you know, the colleague was known for being in their office and, you know, uh, uh, having a cocktail, you know, just to, to get through a rough week or whatever case may be. Right. So he said, point is, 
he said that he had grown to the point where, yeah, there was an understanding between he and the office administrator. If my door is closed, I either want time, I'm having a cocktail, or I'm burned out, and I just need no no interruptions. That's what it was. So he said, <laughs> actually, I shared too much, but anyway, he said, so door's closed. So he says, one day, around this time, we're trying to convince the burned out. The secretary had forgotten the rhythm of signals, you know, <laughs> opened the door, and out comes the pastor and blasts the secretary. I told you this was my time. Blah, blah, blah. But then the, 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 the telltale of burnout spills out when the pastor then goes into the hall and begins blasting all of their critics and sort of worst enemies, if you will. And Meg, I think the reality is all of us, you know what I mean, have been inches from a moment just like that. But I think the difference is this idea of friends or colleagues who say, hey, maybe you need rest. And our unwillingness, to your point about behavior, our unwillingness to accept I'm at the line doesn't mean I'm inadequate for ministry. Doesn't mean God's not still able to use me. Doesn't mean I'm unfaithful. It means I'm at the line of my human ability, my my limited capacity to go forward. I need to stop. You know, and I mean, I think we have a responsibility, and by all means, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we have a responsibility to our colleagues to to say, "Hey, dude, I'm worried about you." Mm. Like, a, do you have a therapist? B, when's the last time you took a day off? Mm. You know, have you seen your have you seen your primary care physician? You know, right, I, right, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Primary care physician, your dentist, are are you ignoring and avoiding little, you know, physical symptoms that you've, you know, grown accustomed to that all that are all a part of your holistic well-being that impact you in every room that you enter? And you and you when we brush them off, I'm a pastor, I'll be fine. No. Oh, yeah, I do have the issue with my back, but it, it it's OK. Yeah, yeah, I, I did pull that hamstring. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I got that nerve that keeps jumping, but it's all good. You know, so right. it's right. You know what I mean? And so it's like we do these things, and I've been there. I, I think I'm certain I was there before sabbatical. I was at a place where I was addressing challenges in ministry and maybe in personal life in ways that were unhealthy, and realizing, like, dude, all this is together. It's not, you know, in these boxes that we've been taught to create to sort of compartmentalize life. It all goes together. And as you know, as a pastor, Meg. You, you, all of those, all of those things come into a room with us, you know, just like mm-hmm. educators, uh, just like social workers, just like leaders and many other uh, facets of life that we bring all, all those things come with us and they're all of value, right? When we're healthy. Oh, absolutely. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when someone hits that burnout wall, I mean, obviously for, for yourself, but like, Sometimes, a lot of times, oftentimes, you know, it, it goes further than that. Mm. How do you, is there coming back? How do you come back? I mean. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, think like, so. I mean. Like, I, like your colleagues that walked away, that, that retired. Yeah. Well, I, I, well, right. So I yes, think. And, right. I yes, mean, and both and, right. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think to the point at the beginning of our conversation, my therapist said to me, hey, you're burned out. 
you get some rest. And so I think for me, I never questioned coming back. I never felt like, uh, you know, this is a way for me to, you know, to your point earlier. And some people said it to me when I took a battle. This is a way of, of exiting, you know, with dignity or something. You're going to say it's just a battle and you're just going to leave. Like, hey, no, no, I can't. <laughs> I don't see that to be uh, helpful. I mean, it's like added stress. No, no. I think that there is a way to recover. I do. And I think it begins with that willingness to have an honest conversation with ourselves. You know, I read um, Abram Heschel's book. I was in a cohort group and deeply valuable uh, in our region here of Episcopal, Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, everybody, you know, wonderful men and women, uh, tremendously diverse and well-rounded group. And we had honest conversations with each other, you know, and we had conversations about what we saw in each other and what we saw in ourselves. And I really believe that all of us in pastoral, all of us in ministry of any sort need a group of cohorts. We need an accountability group. We need some people who can speak into us and some people who can speak with us and to us about our lives. We got, you got to have it. And, and Meg, that may not always be of clergy, right? That accountability group could be of, you know, I've got a group of college buddies that I'm really close to. I've got a group of just life friends that I can be Eugene with, you know, who don't need pastoral care from me. Right. But with whom I can be, the, the person God made me to be without the titles I bring and the pastoral duties where I can just sit down, open myself to my friends and they can tell me what they see. Hey, dude, you know, you, I don't take a look at that. You know what I mean? Right. So it's yeah. So I think that's a huge part of it. And, and I and. Um, without appropriating, Meg, I think. From what I observed about researching sabbatical rest burnout, I think. Well, first of all, the Barna data actually says that millennials in ministry and women in ministry are a little more deeply impacted. And it almost makes sense because it's it's hard as heck to be a woman in ministry. First of all, I don't care what denomination you're in. <laughs> millennials, I'm not sure what the sort of background of that is, but I say all that to say, like, I don't know that it makes a difference as much, you know, like what my gender is, what my background, my generation, all of us need support. And it's a, a misnomer to assume that because of whatever background I bring, regardless of my, you know, how I identify, I need support, you know, no matter who I am. And I just think that's the beginning of being, of finding value in sabbatical, of overcoming burnout. I've got a support group. And then two, to your point earlier, Finding you know, a professional or someone qualified to be able to point out to us those things for which we need resource to resolve and tools to manage, you know? What did you, after sabbatical, mm-hmm. what did you learn? How did you, did you find that things about you had, had changed when you came back, when you resumed your role as? Pastor Eugene, you know, mm-hmm. okay, I'm burnt out. Let's prepare for sabbatical. We go through sabbatical through your through your your Duke and and all. Did, did you come back changed, or did oh, you come back 
nor I mean the yeah, first yeah. thing to know kind of thing. Right, absolutely. But oh not but and it takes intention, right? So to your point, so sabbatical for me wasn't just like time off, you know, oh you can take time off. You know and back to maybe part of our issue that I don't know is like, well I'm gonna take sabbatical, I'm gonna be doing this, I'm gonna doing that, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. Oh, oh, oh. My wife was like, hey time out, time out. You're doing too much. Like you you are already about to mess this all up. So I was like, oh no, I'm gonna, you know, you know, Meg, I was like, I'm gonna do these home projects. I'm gonna, I'm gonna repair that back door. I'm gonna like <laughs> I'm gonna do and I'm gonna write something and I'm gonna create this. And I was like, hey, hey, dude, you're messing up. I was like, no, no. I was like, you don't understand, honey. This is how it goes. I'm a pastor. I'm taking sabbatical and it's gonna be this gonna be productive. I'm gonna be a carpenter stuff. I'm gonna come back here on fire. She's like, you're not. She's like, you're about to blow an ACL. Right? That's what you're about to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I appreciate her very much. Like, listen, no, no. Yeah. And so I, I realized that planning sabbatical takes as much intention as mm-hmm. participating in one. And so I slowed down and I built in, I talked to my therapist. And I obviously had a very thorough conversation with my wife. And then I looked at what my real needs were. I was, again, vulnerability, right? I was able to kind of, those were kind of insecurities coming out. uh, Maybe sort of, you know, this sort of identity I'm trying to maintain as this, you know, effective pastor. I put all that aside and say, okay, what do I really need in order to thrive? Mm -hmm. I identified three areas. One was I felt I needed to recapture my personal identity. Who am I? You know, at the very basic essence, who am I? You know, where did I come from? So I planned into sabbatical, taking a trip back to where my father's family came from in this country and researching our genealogy and having conversations with literally traveling to family members' homes, their part of the country, sitting down, just having conversations. You know, how did this uncle over here connect with that? What does that mean to me? I, I had a I went to my father's family uh, landed in this country and in, in, uh, which a lot of us did in Virginia. And so I went to that little tiny county where our records to where our records trace sat down. I had a two hour session with a genealogist and traced our family history back to 1838 and had these conversations about my identity based on my actual genealogy, the history of our family, what our people have been through. And it connected so many dots, Meg. And I'm like, man, look at that. Look at there. Look at that. Huh? From because so if you do so, those in the case I had, those genealogy records also Meg had health outcomes. Right. And so I, I was. Yeah. I was able to trace health outcomes of my ancestors and see patterns. I was like, holy crap, look at this. This guy had that. This woman had that. She had it. He has it. Whoa, it's over there. It's over here. Oh, my God. Like, wow. And then looking at both work habits and concepts of labor and rest and all of that intertwined with who I am. What is my identity? What's important to me? What, what hobbies you know give me joy? You know, what things do I like to do that? enliven my soul man and why have i stopped why should i stop doing oh because you're a pastor you can't do that 
<laughs> you're a pastor. You can't, you can't be both mountain hiking as a pastor. You can't be tree climbing and, you know, that's the best thing a pastor does. You know, you're a pastor. So I began, like, and realizing, going back to that Genesis passage, God created us as living beings, and I've discarded the being part. You know, I'm just like, dude, this is who God made you. You need to recapture. So that was the first piece. And then rebuilding pastoral identity, I think, was was my second piece. I wanted to I wanted to completely to give myself permission to revisit who I am as a pastor and what I think my calling is and how I pursue it. And in doing that, I went back to uh, Pittsburgh where I did my doctoral work, sat down with my doctoral advisor, who is now a, uh, a therapist and a pastoral coach. And I um, you know, entered into a contract with him. And so I'm in now. I did my first session with him during sabbatical and I'm now in my fifth, I think. And so I'm doing regular coaching with him. And it's helpful that he's known me before this moment. But to your question, it was one of the critical pieces of coming back different, you know, of looking at Eugene, how I, I promise you, Meg. So this dude, <laughs> oh, gosh, here's this conversation with me. He's like, so tell me about this, you know, this interchange you had in leadership, like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. He's okay. Tell me about the time, a time before that we had a similar experience. I was like, oh, yeah, maybe over here. You know, tell me about another one. All of a sudden, he's like, what's the first time that ever happened to you in life? I was like, what? Man, you're tripping. I was like, no, no, think about it. You know, a similar experience where, you know, similar outcomes trying to solve a problem where you, <laughs> right, look at you, you're like, wheels are turning, right? All of a sudden, I'm like eight years old, you know, in, in elementary school. I'm like, dude, are you serious right now? He's like, oh, yeah. It's like it all works together. And so I, I, I made I, I made intention around trying to rebuild my pastoral identity, looking at discerning anew how I am called to relate to God's people as a pastor, a preacher, a theologian. What does it mean to. What does it mean to do ministry in this moment and accepting the fact that some of the things that we did in ministry, Meg, don't exist anymore and yeah. coming to grips with that and being, you know, and being OK about it. Like, you know, just, you know some of the stuff I won't be able to do it anymore. So rebuilding a pastoral identity um, with help with a coach, um, reinvesting in those uh, uh, cohort groups and, and and trying to keep those things out. And then the last piece was. I wanted to reestablish space to dream about ministry. So I came back and one of the first things I did uh, and my leaders were really just blessing, you know, while I was away and when I came back and not to say it was all like, you know, silky smooth, ooh, sabbatical, that would be easy. Oh, yeah, let's take a piece of cake. It wasn't. Right? So, it's a lot of work to plan a sabbatical, as you know, I'm sure. But coming back and having a really honest conversation with my leaders, like, hey, you know what? I need this to thrive, you know, and them saying, hey, pastor, we need this from you. OK, let's talk about those two things and see if we can meet in the middle. And then having some real hard conversations, you know, around what is God calling us to do? Where have I missed the mark? Where have we missed the mark? And how do we make up the ground by going to God together? And to your point, I learned through that process, Meg, that it's not just, oh, sabbatical is a cure. Woo. Everything's better. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. No, it's this, you know, building intention into the process, holding ourselves accountable, having that uh, that accountability group around us 
And and I I would I would strongly recommend identifying some specific goals for sabbatical. Not a ton, you know. Like I said before, I'm not trying to fix the house, do this, blah, blah, blah. But maybe it's just a few goals to which we can hold ourselves accountable and really striving to accomplish them for our well-being. Yeah. And and as we were talking before we started recording, you have not yet put put this into a book or a right. This is like right. no, not yet. Because, I mean, you're right. Like, it's not earth, like, earth-shattering, oh, my gosh. But it's it's things like when, when you're in that, like, you mm. need to hear somebody else say, yeah. okay, make your sabbatical list. Yeah. Then cut it in half. Then give it to your spouse and let your spouse edit it you know and let your spouse cut it in half you know yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah right. um yeah. And, and and it's a, it's about the all people need to hear about the permission giving yeah. um you giving yourself permission to rest and your congregation going we love our pastor and we want our pastor to be able to continue to be healthy and to continue to to serve mm-hmm. and so for not just the good of themselves, but also right. that they see that for the good of the body of Christ, that this is why mm-hmm. Sabbath is important. Mm-hmm. Um, it is my really sincere hope and, and, and prayer that you have the opportunity to share this. Mm, I mean, thank you. you just did with my audience, but I mean, <laughs> this, that this, that this keeps going and, yeah. and because, Yes, that you hear it every single day. Every day, you know? man. You know, the data but, is so real. Like pastors are walking away, pastors are retiring early, you know, pastors are looking at other careers. And I was talking with a colleague just this week, and we were talking about the fact that, like, okay, we know that the the this, you know, the New York, there's several studies, I don't have to name one, several studies about American religion and sort of, you know dissolving and folks are walking away from the church but the reality is we're still called to be the church we're still called to ministry so how do we sustain ourselves not like we're going to all just say all right well hey oh that was great (laughs) so so since we're we're called to it how do we sustain ourselves how do we thrive through all of this stuff and you know and, and knowing it's real and helping the generations after us you know like how do we help someone after us to to learn from our experience and realize that it's okay to open up and tell a colleague, Hey dude, sister, it's, you know, we're in this together, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think writing something about it would be a blessing to just an opportunity just to kind of share what I've, what I've been blessed to experience and to be able to, if any way, help anyone else. I'm, I just feel grateful for such an opportunity because I, I just feel like, uh, during that period of sabbatical and and even after. So I had the opportunity during, before, during, and after, I had conversation, intentional conversation with about 18 pastors. Um, Brooklyn, Denver, um, Richmond, uh, Colorado Springs, um, about 10 different cities altogether. Um, some of them were just telephone calls. Some of them were one-on-ones. And Meg, I assure you, the common thread through every single conversation was 
I man, I'm tired, man. I mean, and 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 all of us were like, yeah. Well, one one was like, yeah. Well, I'm going, I'm going to Vail and ski a couple of weeks. One's like, yeah. Well, I'm just going to not preach for the next three or four weeks, and I'm going to figure that out. And one was like, yeah. I'm gonna, but the common thread was, you know what I mean? We're all tired. Like this this COVID thing, the change of our world, the impact of post uh, Christendom. All, name whatever you want. Like it has it has impacted the Christian church forever, right? And so our ability to just come to groups with that, you know what I mean? It's, 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 I think it's going to take a lot of, of resource for us. And so, yeah. Um, January I, I th- 6th, you know, all of uh, that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> with crosses, right? <laughs> and mm. and prayer, no less. And prayer, and prayer. <laughs> invoking the Lord's name in prayer with that. Yeah, right. Right, <laughs> right. And, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I get it. What what people like? I get what people are like. All right, God, I love you, but I'm done. Um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 you, yeah, I get it. Um, I, I, I do. So, I, I do. I hope that um, you have the opportunity to, to to continue to to share this because I I really do think it is it is such a blessing. Or others to be able to, to hear this and go, mm-hmm. what? But what I hear in all of this, even though the word was not spoken, is that I, I still hear in you the hope. There's mm-hmm. never not oh, the. Yeah. Yeah. There was there was not the. I am. I was so defeated. I was so mm-hmm. you know. It was. I did. The work I did, what needed to be done, oh, yeah. and I'm continuing. Oh yeah, to do what needs to be done, so that I can still do what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, that mm-hmm. I, this this my identity, my who I am called to be, mm-hmm. um, and 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 that's what about the the small part of your story that I know is mm-hmm. is that I appreciate the most is is that in all of it i hear i hear hope um and i do want to mention the your website the dr eugene downing.org and you're also on facebook and instagram and i'll put all that in the show notes i'm gonna get that barna episode article pulled up and i will also put that in show notes for listeners or viewers um and I have to ask you the, the question, my favorite question, the joy question. Ah. Yeah. Okay. So you can answer this. The rule is you can answer this however you want. And in your, you, I told you, you are episode number 50. Ta-da, I feel like I should have cannons or something. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, um, <laughs> in 50 episodes, it has not been answered the same way, mm. which I love. I love. Um, but everyone's joy mm-hmm. is completely their own, and there is not a wrong answer. Mm-hmm. So, all you, where, where do you, where do you find it? Hmm. Well, first, I, I, first of all, I really want to say that the work you're doing with this platform is really phenomenal. I mean, um. Yeah, it really is. It's very courageous, first of all, you know what I mean, to step out. Oh, I'm going to start a ministry. Oh, yeah, where? Online. Oh, man. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I mean, whatever. 
<laughs> yeah, it's really phenomenal. So thank you for what you're doing. And I think to answer your question, honestly, I really do find joy in my family, man. Um, you know, my wife and our daughters, you know, so our daughters are, are adults now. Our wife had children young. And so now our kids are um, late 20s, early 30. And so when I said, oh, I'm going to take a sabbatical, I, honestly, I was at a, it was early on and I was like trying to convince myself. You know how you try to convince yourself sometimes? Yeah, I'm going to do this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course I'm going to do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I go talk to my kids. They're like, you don't sound like you're serious. And I was like, <laughs> so I'm like, you don't understand. You know what I mean? You, you, you know, you don't understand ministry. You don't, you know, realize, you know, what this entails, whatever. What we do know is you're a mess. You know, like, you know, you're not sleeping well. You know what I mean? Your eating habits are all crazy. You know, mom says you're in the house trying to fix everything. You know, so it's like, so it's like, you know, whether it's children or close family members, it's like, I find joy in those folks who know me for who I am. Yeah, and can and can have the most fun-filled moments over absolutely nothing. You know, it's just like the simplest yeah. stuff, you know, burst into laughter. And I can just be myself and find safety in that conversation, in that room. I can find connection, you know, with who I am as a person and a pastor. And I, I can share the same with, with others without you know, judgment without worry about if I've quoted the right Bible verse or, you know, uh, led the right leadership paradigm, but just, you know, uh, connecting with family who remind me of who I am. And I think, Meg, in these last, as you mentioned, these crazy last few years, that for me has been a godsend to just, you know, be in the living room, you know, doing whatever yeah. we're doing, laughing about whatever we're laughing about and everything just kind of fades, you know, and just yeah. being able to, you know, thank God for whether it's my uncle or my aunt, my grandmother, or my mom, just being able to yeah. just reconnect with, you know, who I am. Yeah. So yeah, family, I would say. That's a great answer. And you know what? 50 episodes. Still going <laughs> strong. I mean, oh, wow. still going strong. That's it. It's great because even if people do say family, no one says it the same way, and which is which is beautiful and lovely. Um, I am so grateful for you. Um, Thank you for, for getting your time and 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 sharing this piece of your journey. Thank um, you. Yeah, and I'm I'm grateful for our our audience. Those um, yeah, that's really awesome. Congratulations for 50 episodes or 800 viewers. I mean, that's really that's a wonderful, wonderful ministry. I mean, geez, that's that's a blessing. Um, a blessing. and and I and I hope that um, you know, that, that that you make some great connections as a result of this. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And um, just a reminder to our viewers, you know, you can also listen to us on Spotify on whatever the Apple listening podcast <laughs> thing is i'm sorry i'm an android person um you know and and we're on youtube we're in all sorts of places awesome. ministry mondays with megan you'll find us and um we'll put all those well, connections I will, I will, and i want my t-shirt too i, I want to i want a ministry monday t-shirt i gotta right but remember you know audience um <laughs> you're going i too would like a t-shirt yes i too would like you to be a guest on my show most likely so, you know, you can get a hold of me. We can make that happen. 
probably. I know. <laughs> so um, thanks everybody for watching, for listening, and we hope that um, you find that thing that brings you joy and do it for the glory of the Lord. Amen. So, Amen. Thank you for watching, everyone.